0: How can I do this with no snare?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel. I don't feel appropriately uh, introduced. Uh, welcome to Freightonomics, uh, the show where we combine supply chain, global freight market information with the macroeconomic environment. And this is going to be our second to last show of the year, Anthony Smith.
0: That's right. So we have a special market expedition coming up mm-hmm. next week. So definitely make sure you tune in for that one. But we have. It's like we just can't end the year smoothly. Can we? No. we can't just go into the Christmas season and just have a good time and just relax.
1: I, I know, right? So today's focus is going to be around uh, geopolitical uh, environment, specifically around the crisis out there in the Middle East. Uh, that region, of course, continues to be an area of concern um, and, of course, tons of impacts to the global supply chain environment. We haven't necessarily seen that manifest yet, but we're bringing on Henry Byers today uh, to talk that through. Uh, but first up, I want to make sure that we get to thank our sponsor, right? Thomson Reuters. Uh, the 2023 Global Trade Survey Report from Thomson Reuters is here, and you don't want to miss this. Navigate the ever-changing trade environment with insights into hot topics like skills gap, ESG reporting, ongoing and upcoming industry developments, and more by getting your free copy today. Download now at the link on your screen. Uh, And I did tell you that I downloaded.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Zach approved.
1: Yeah. Zach approved. The skills gap. Yeah. (laughs) The skills gap thing is, is, is fascinating to me. Um, That, that one is, you know, there, there's such a disparity between like The job requirements and like people coming out with the appropriate skills i think that's that's an interesting trend to watch in america for sure
0: yeah and i think another one is of course we always talk about as you know kind of just jumping into skills before we go and of course market into then definitely the big top stories for the day um trades trades are a big one that needs a huge demand and of course with retirement a lot Mm -hmm. of baby boomers those trades usually have apprenticeships and the lack of apprenticeships that are available because a lot of baby boomers are leaving, and then the lack of interest in some of the trades makes it all very messy. So, if you're a youngster out there, if you have a youngster in your life, mm-hmm. trades might be a good way to go.
1: Yeah, I talked to I talked to a few people that have gone the trade route recently. It's very uh, very stable environment too. Uh, okay. If you're if you're into that The labor market of t- of course, remarkably resilient uh, this year. If you think about where we were expecting it to go yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and, and so yeah that skills gap situation definitely a trend to watch uh in 2024 without doubt so anthony let's lead it off with a market in two if you want to count okay, me I'm in and then we'll get to the, in the meat
0: three two one
1: go All right. First up today, the outbound tender volume index, Uh, the demand scenario that we've been talking about being a little bit more resilient than we thought it was, Uh, just like that labor market still remains elevated over the previous year's value. If you're looking at that green line, that's 2022's tender volume index. We are still well above that, though, trending downward as we seasonally do Uh, a little bit sharper decline here over the last couple of days, Uh, probably going to continue that all the way into the new year. This is standard procedure. Still, though, I think that gap between uh, last year and this year is still quite interesting to me. Let's move on to the next one. And uh, this demand elevation year over year, the outbound tender rejection index has not really manifested uh, this demand side situation really significantly. Tender rejection rates are now right on par with where they were this time last year. Uh, just a skosh below 4%. It's on its way up. Uh, however, and we do think that it will increase into the year. I think the interesting thing to me, where does this index end up around Christmas? If we surpass last year, that's a sign of movement uh, in the capacity side towards a little bit more equilibrium. But for now, extremely loose market, uh, and it's continuing to be so. Let's go to the next one here NTIL, our uh, measure of drive and spot rates. Um, this is a fascinating one. Spot rates are actually moving down and continue to kind of flatline. This, this is the point where we typically see spot rates start to increase uh, and they're not doing that. They're kind of hovering. They're still elevated over the, where they were most of the fall uh, situation but they're not moving higher quickly. You can see the trend line here is a little divergent to the previous couple of years. We still have another day or two before we start to see these things really start to increase. And last but not least, let's go to the next one, WRI chart. Looking at the top left, those are going to be your markets to watch for you. Brokers out there, transportation service providers, those are the ones that are having the most disruption. Harrisburg leading the way. And interestingly enough, Salt Lake City.
0: Ding, ding. So, Zach, jumping into it, okay, real quick here. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of those charts that you had in, um, of course, here into one of the big things, of course, knowing that volumes aren't the problem here. Mm -mm. Still a lot of capacity. And it's interesting to see in that O-Tri, that tracing that's going on on those year-over-year levels, on, I should say, that seasonality, Mm -hmm. kind of showing that there is maybe some life there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it is interesting that the spot market is as dead as it is um, in terms of rate movement. Some of that, I thought that the mixing component would actually be a little bit more towards this ad hoc, direct-to-spot market expedited freight. That doesn't appear to be really making a big dent. It may be doing that, but it looks like maybe some carriers out there are more desperate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, than I thought they might be just grabbing loads at whatever rate they can get at this point.
0: Yeah, and this is anything to just not sit mm-hmm. empty or um, I'm sorry, uh, stay still. And yeah. so we also have, of course, some top stories um, with, of course, Red Sea. But we have someone yeah. here let's, that is
1: yeah. Let's lead the way with, a with genius, our, the man, the myth, the myth, the legend, uh, Henry Byers, our maritime expert. Thank you so much for joining us, Henry, uh, to talk through uh, the ongoing crisis in the Middle East now. Uh, Just to outline uh, for those of you that aren't familiar or maybe you haven't been keeping up with it, uh, there were attacks in the Middle East. Please go check out Greg Miller's articles that we also uh, will probably reference in here a few times uh, as we talk things through with Henry. Uh, Outlining what this what's going on. There have been attacks on container ships specifically. Tankers are at risk, but not as much at risk as the container ships uh, going on out there as the Houthi Houthi rebels out there in Yemen. Uh, are sieging attacks on these container ships. And, of course, Houthi are backed by Iran, which is a Russian ally. Uh, and they're obviously trying to create some sort of disruption uh, in the global space. And we, don't, we could make a whole show about the geopolitical implications of what goes on in the Middle East. But I think for the purposes of today's show, Henry, uh, kind of outline from your perspective how you see this uh disruption manifesting and how you see its like potential uh manifesting here over the next coming weeks
2: well i think as far as the container space is concerned um i think you know what's what's happened with you know carriers routing um around the cape of good hope i think that's something that will continue um at least in the short term and so when you look at that i mean obviously transit time so then you think about everything that travels from asia to europe or anything that was heading through the Suez Canal is obviously going to be um, delayed by 7 to 14 days. Um, and it's it's not that significant as far as the transit time alone, but it's just what occurs now, um, you know, once you have a disruption of like this, it's, you know, things build up on either side and it, it, it just, you know, it has potential to get bigger um, if anything else is to occur or it is to exacerbate in any format. Um, you know, I think we could see things like the U.S. West Coast as an example, um, you know, some disruption there based on, you know, how these things will all, um, you know, rearrange as a result. So, you got shippers really thinking about risk now, obviously, on the heels of everything that's happened over the, even the last five, six years from the trade war to COVID um, to the, the the West Coast port congestion, potential labor strikes, et cetera. There's certainly, um, you know, t- completely... Um, you know that they're on their their toes on this one. Um, they're probably as prepared as ever for a potential disruption or, you know, black swan event, depending on who you ask. But I think um, you know it's really you know something that could certainly you know call some constraints um, in places you may not expect right off of the bat.
0: And Henry, we're looking at this lane essentially. Um, we're looking at or should say the traffic coming out of this area. Right now, are you looking at it being more impactful for Europe, or is it something that's going to be more impactful for the U.S., or is there going to be some type of a split here?
2: Undoubtedly, it's going to be weighted towards Europe. Um, you're looking at you know everything that's flowing from Asia to Europe, and, and obviously some of that um, some of that material that's going to to Europe is then imported to the U.S. So um, you know there is some disruption. You know I, I'm not going to say the U.S. is completely um, you know, independent in terms of, of being unaffected, but Europe's definitely, um, you know, more exposed here, you know, all the, the, fr- the freight that was being routed through the Suez heading from Asia to Europe is now, now going around the Cape of good hope. So if you're looking at, you know, the U S um, this is why I said the U S West coast, cause you're thinking about, okay, the Panama canal, let's just go ahead and say that, you know, that's also going on simultaneously. So you're looking at freight that was you know, already there was a natural rerouting back to the West Coast, but then you had the Panama Canal. And now you are you have this. So you have think people that were now trying to route to the East Coast of the U.S. through the Suez now saying, okay, maybe this uh, West Coast option is now becoming even more viable than it was, say, you know, two to three weeks ago as far as your exposure. Any risks that may occur um, along that that trade lane, and, and again, why I say that, you know, very very soon, uh, you look three to four weeks in advance, you know, out um, depending on how robust Chinese New Year is, you could see quite a bit of volume hitting the West Coast of the U.S., and this is where you know, we may start to see, um, you know, some really some constraints happening from the capacity side, um, and, and obviously, upwards pressure on those rates would be would be natural. Yeah, we we just had a chart
1: up of the Freitos Baltic Exchange Index of rates going from the east and west or from China to America's north uh, or east and west coast. Uh, The east coast Mm -hmm. rates there in the in the blue and the west coast there in the white. Now, not a lot of activity on either one of those just yet, but we have had some semblance of upward pressure going to the east coast uh, earlier this month. Um, and of course, that's the one that I think the Suez Canal probably impacts the most. Correct, Henry. And then you're talking about the West Coast is where the predominance of the volume occurs. Correct.
2: Well, exactly. And, and Zach, you're, what you said there about just the stability of these rates has been very interesting mm-hmm. because you know what carriers, ocean carriers, like to do, and I think that you know the market generally accepts this. This is a reason is is you know any. Excuse, you could say, uh, for lack of a better term, that they can have to to ba- basically get away with, you know, adding some surcharges or just kind of make the market feel um, like capacity is getting tighter. There's certain things that can affect capacity. I mean, these are these are true reasons. Um, so there's, they're going to definitely use them to their advantage. And so the Panama Canal, what was happening there is in terms of the surcharges that they're now adding to that route. Um, because they're now, you know, when, when, when things are constrained, you know, costs costs tend to go up as far as, you know, transiting these canals. And now you're looking at the Suez and now you're looking at these war risk. War risk is, a, is a, it's a literal surcharge that occurs. So war risk is now um, coming into play. And so now you're looking at the East Coast uh, rate, you know, having some upper tr- pressure just from generally uh, what's being added from, you know, carriers just to the cost of that transit, not necessarily demand. And while that's been interesting, is then you have demand, you know, shifting a little bit back to the West Coast. So. You really have some nice pressure going on between each of these rates. And that's why you seen stability when demand overall um, has been in decline since the peak, right? Um, but now you have Chinese New Year coming into place. So now you have even this, this slight uptick in demand, adding a little bit more upwards pressure. And while I don't you know expect to see um, you know a, a a huge surge, because again, demand would be the biggest driver of of any you know massive surge in rates, we do we do expect at this point to see. Some some upwards pressure and some upwards tick on those rates. You know, for um, it depends on how long this this occurs, but it's gonna. It seems that at least the next month or two um, we'll have some some decent upwards pressure on both of those rates. Um, even though the East Coast is the most impacted in terms of how much volume it can support, and why you know West Coast will probably surge a little bit higher just in terms of dollars amount if you're looking at two. Um, but really, an interesting mix here, and I think for carriers they're um, you know very. Uh, they're not happy that, that the war's breaking out, but it's certainly from a pricing standpoint um you know they the, they understand the need to try and take advantage of what they can in terms of you know those rate increases because twenty twenty four overall as a as a you know the outlook for demand is it, relatively weak and, and very comparable this year, probably even um you know less than this year in terms of overall demand
0: and here I think you're doing a great job here outlining what are some of the immediate impacts and you talk about some of the long-term impacts here? Is this something that's going to be sticking in the minds of many and then really kind of help fuel some of that initiative that we've seen throughout much of 2023 of that nearshoring or reshoring initiative in the longer term uh here? Or do you think this will just be something that maybe is going to be impactful over the next month or so? And maybe this doesn't push forward the pace of that nearshoring or, or reshoring aspect? <sighs>
2: I think you're exactly uh, right to assume that i mean just think if you're a shipper right and you're, you're toying with the idea of nearshoring you're thinking about okay this seems obvious now that this is happening this trend you know how are we gonna you know um use that to our advantage etc and, and then this occurs and, and it certainly seems like it's not um going away anytime soon as far as what's going on in the middle east and the just geopolitical tensions overall and so when you're thinking about that relative to nearshoring saying okay well you know the more we depend on others the more we depend on you know places that are increasingly exposed to this geopolitical tension i mean you, you were talking about china you're talking about the middle east and so you know it, very much so showing that you know how connected we all are and how we have you know been so connected through global trade for so long and i think that you know getting um you know i think uh, Craig has even termed the, coined the term freedom trade. And, and I think, you know, really what he mean, means by that is that, you know, looking at you know, places closer to home, but also, um, you know, more of our allies, uh, you know, sourcing from, from countries that we can, you know, depend on, you know, being friends of the U.S. And, and nothing, you know, happening in between, um, you know, at five, ten years from now to where we can make sure we're getting our, our material when we need it. And I think that's why Mexico becomes such a, a nice option for people is because or somewhere in central or South America is because um, you know, right now there there there's very little, if any um, you're talking about maybe just the cartels in terms of risk to trade with Mexico. And it's, you know, it's reasonable to expect that that would only get better if um, the more trade that occurs between us and Mexico. Yeah.
1: I want to circle back to the demand component you were talking about uh, just a minute ago. And I want to bring up a chart, uh, the IOTI, uh, and it is, of course, the measure of bookings activity. Uh, this, one of, this one is measuring more of the bookings from China to Europe lanes, uh, and we really haven't seen a big uptick that's outside of expectation. This is the various load uh, booking volume for 20-foot containers going from China to Germany, uh, Netherlands, Italy, uh, or actually this is just the one going to Germany. So this is the example that I pulled up to look at year over year over year. What is happening outside of expectation for demand? And it looks like we've actually saw an early surge in demand going into Germany and now it's kind of pulled back a little bit and we're not seeing any real strong acceleration outside of that early month uptick. Uh, Do you think that We have not really like people are starting to say, okay, this isn't going to be as big of a deal and not reacting as strongly. Do you think that's a a downstream risk to supply chains in the future? Because I think one of Greg uh, Miller's articles pointed out that it's going to require more capacity for these carriers to go around the Cape of Good Hope because it's going to take longer transits. just going to require more ships, more, uh, you know, more ad hoc, uh, you know, ship movements that's going to pull some capacity away from other lanes. Do you think that that is an ongoing risk?
2: Well, I think, you know, if you're talking about demand, what's really interesting here is that this is occurring when, you know, Europe, um, if you're just looking at demand overall and the expectations moving forward, that's why I feel like absorb, you know, absorbing a seven to 14 day transit on your goods during a period where demand is is, is relatively weaker, expected to be weak in the in the month two months to come, you know, adding that seven, it's not adding the transit time that disrupts you know shippers, um, you know, tremendously. It's the, it's the, you know it's typically the fact that they have already committed, um, and so if you had you know demand that was elevated, you had more commitments on that delivery date, um, things would be a lot worse. But then also you're talking about now uh, shippers, you know. Or probably have better data than ever before, as far as this transit time and how it's being disrupted. And I think, you know, now again that it's occurring at a period where, where things aren't expected to be, you know, as um, their demand's not expected to be, you know, speed uh, expectations. It's supposed to be relatively weaker or weaker, and even you know, who knows what twenty twenty four holds as far as that's concerned. Um, but adding that on, it I don't think it will be a, a massive disruption for these these European shippers. And I think, you know, again, uh, if you're looking at you know how most of the stuff that was hitting the, the East coast from, um, you know, Indian subcontinent and Asia, I was traveling through the Suez. Now you're, you're just, I mean, you're just either adding on that transit time because when you're adding seven to 14 days on the, what you already added, ten to, you're already like prepared for that. But then also, um, the West coast again, as far as uh, timing is concerned, I mean, now becomes a real nice option. And this mini land bridge with the rails, um, they're obviously incentivizing that quite a bit. And so I think, um, it's about as attractive as ever for some of these people, these shippers, to ship to the West Coast and, and you know, just completely bypass all of this um, this risk. But you can only do that for so long, right? If demand upticks significantly, we're going to be in a nasty scenario there on the West Coast. So there's a lot of things, that, um, you know, that we have to factor in the Panama Canal and how long that drought occurs is obviously one. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens.
0: Definitely. And kind of looking at, um, excuse me, the mindset of a lot of shippers out here, Andrew, can you talk to, though it seems like there was a lack of a sense of urgency kind of coming into this holiday season initially, and then kind of going into, of course, we have to think about Chinese New Year coming up here, usually a pull forward um, around that. What does this all kind of mean in terms of where inventory levels are right now? Because it seems like a lot of folks are kind of moving back from that just in time, I'm sorry, just in case to just in time. Do you see this kind of moving back into, um, maybe we're going to need to get back into that just in case scenario if this does happen to be prolonged?
2: It it, it all depends on how demand reacts, in my opinion. I think, you know, there's just so much with the U.S. economy that could go wrong in the next three to four months, I mean you, you, this could all add some pressure in the right way. Where um, you, you, you're certainly, you know, right to assume that that you, could, you know shippers can be pushed back into that. Um, but I think, you know, what's going on right now, um, if it was impacting, you know, Asia, Indian subcontinent to the west coast, is where. I think the problems would really start to arise, and and that may happen pretty quick, right? If um you know the demand were to uptick in a significant way for whatever reason, I can't really see you know cutting interest rates by you know a point uh, is going to really do that. But um, who knows where we're going to be in four to five months? I mean, there's a lot of things. Some some people would argue there's some pretty massive bubbles out there. Um, so if those were to pop, obviously demand it's not going to help demand at all. Um, but on the heels of that, you know, who knows about a stimulus? I mean, we've all been so incredibly surprised by how con- resilient the consumer has been and how resilient the labor market has been and the, in just the economy overall. I think there's just, um, there's a lot of risk on that side. So when you're looking at inventories, um, I think continuing to run them lean, I think is going to make sense for, for most, I think, you know, the, the worst thing they feel like they could do at this point is just overreact and that's why a lot of you know everyone's looking for the the us and its allies to step up and um you know resolve um what's going on there in the red sea because it's just one of those things where you know if our if the you know the dollar is being backed by world reserve currency is being backed by the u.s navy and um the u.s military um and and nato its allies across the world um we want to see a strong response here to get the you know to get this back under control because um, you know, I think it just doesn't set a nice precedent, you know, moving forward. Um, you know, as far as you know, how we can we can really rely and um, you know, container container carriers being able to depend on um, you know the military in that sense to kind of make sure that free trade continues. Um, so it's one of those things where just in case, uh, just in time inventories. I think I think you just continue to run your your supply chains a little leaner than normal, and that's mostly because of the outlook for demand I think that that just is just something you can't deny at this point is that if you were to build up inventory significantly, you may be sitting in a really really tough spot if uh demand were to you know move to the downside significantly in twenty twenty four which I think there's a lot of cases to be made that that could happen.
1: So I'm looking at Sonar Container Atlas uh, Ocean TEU transit times uh, right now, and I just wanted to check uh, because we measure the average t- transit time between port pairings uh, coming to the United States, and the transit time to the West Coast is pretty flat. It's about 15 days on average right now, and the one going to the the to New York, New Jersey, Shanghai to New York, New Jersey is up to about 32 and a half days. Now, that's up about two days year over year. It's up about a day month over month. Um, do you think that this is at a significant risk to to get higher here over the next few weeks?
2: I'd say absolutely. Um, this is why I say that it's going to be really interesting to see because then what you're looking at there is also what the carriers are are saying Mm -hmm. um, as far as what they're able to commit to on that transit time. And It's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening to the East coast as far as like what those full transits are. Mm -hmm. And so they're also going to be weighing, like you've had these ships reroute, but they haven't had a lot of freight depart from origin yet that has had this routing taken into consideration. So yes, what you're going to have is you're going to have an uptick on those the the routes that are going to now go through the Cape of Good Hope. Um, but as far as you know where those will end up, um, I think it's reasonable to expect you could see you know between seven and ten days uptick um, on that route specifically. Um, you know if it is now looking at you know solely the freight that's transiting to um, the East Coast across the Cape of Good Hope. Yeah, I want to
1: bring up the IOTI for national, like United States, uh, real quick, because I think this is a, an important contextual piece. You, ha- you had it right before. Uh, the IOTI season uh, year over year. So this is going into the United States, all freight, all import bookings going to the United States. And we talked about how resilient demand has been. It's, it's down off of peak. We saw the, if you're looking at the white line there, that's down for golden week uh, in China. It's a big impactor, but it's been... Sort of holding. And of course, we normally see a dip uh, in the winter months and then it rises heading into Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year month. What's your read here? Like, I don't see any significant reaction to the Suez uh, situation. Do you?
2: No, and I, I don't think you're going to. Um, I just think that even with what moves pre Chinese New Year, a lot of this volume. Uh, during this part of the year, doesn't have the urgency around it. Even a lot of the stuff that moves pre Chinese New Year, um, is looking at you know making sure it lands um, in the country by you know the the proper you know prelude to spring you know summer months. A lot of the uh, you know as Americans uh, consumers start to get back outdoors and start those type of projects and activities. Typically, you know, skewed towards that type of freight. Um, so the urgency around that freight is still, you know, relatively low, and you see that a lot by looking at the lead times that we possess container outlets. So I think all things considered, until that urgency, you know, gets higher, and so this is where, you know, now, even though demand's staying relatively stable, uh, I just don't see any, you know, strong reaction. But I think everybody's on their toes again. Everybody's on, you know, really. Focusing on anything that could cause a disruption, and I think that's that's good. I, um, you know, it, it's good to see people concerned. Uh, they should be concerned. You know, I think especially when you look at the Middle East, it could it could certainly um, exacerbate. I mean, it could become a lot bigger than we ever anticipated. And this is why I've always kept this in on any of my calls or any of my um, any of my my info to clients is you've got to be. Considering the geopolitical tensions that are that are escalating or seemingly escalating, and I think you know, so if you were doing that properly, this is something that you had on the the bingo card, you could say. Um, but I think just as far as you know, a reaction um, to pulling in volumes or front loading, like we typically you typically may see if this were going into peak season, um, just not really thinking I'm going to see that this year, even pre Chinese New Year volume, because again, if this were occurring you know, um, from Asia to the U.S. and affecting either the West Coast, even with the Panama Canal, if this was happening in Panama, as far as, um, you know, a war uh, breaking out, I think it may be a little bit stronger reaction, but it's just that, that, that U.S. West Coast is ready. Uh, you know, they've, they've been battle-tested again, and I think, you know, this labor strike's being resolved. I think you're gonna see, the The quickest reaction in terms of what what do we do now? Hey, let's just move this volume west coast. Let's just rail it as far as we possibly can, um, you know, to the middle of the country, and we'll truck it from there. I think that that's something that shippers are ready to do. I mean, you look at what's happened over the last three to four years with with you know looking making sure you have. Uh, proper DCs, proper warehousing on both coasts, you know, a real nice diversified network. Um, you know, when you look at a certain area like this, in my mind, what's happened over the last three to four years is for, in far as how shippers have reacted and adjusted and curtailed their supply chains, they perhaps may be, I mean, let's just say they, they have to be in one of the best positions here, to navigate this without any significant disruption. Uh, but again, that's just staying where we are now, Where this goes. this could very very well change as far as how how big does this actually get as far as, um, you know, bringing in other parts of the world or it just getting bigger in terms of, um, you know, what what it ends up impacting as far as like free trade alliances or, uh, you know, who knows uh, where we go from here. But I think as it sits right now, you know, I think we'll we'll absorb at least this small skirmish here um, between the rebels and and what's going on in the Red Sea. Uh, And I think the U.S. will step up. um, And I think, we may see flow of containers going back through the U.S. quicker than we expected, but if we don't, um, I think at least for the next three to four months, while demand stays relatively low, uh, I don't think we're going to see a tremendous impact to, to U.S. shippers.
0: Henry, thank you so much for joining us and, and shedding some light here for what's going on. Always a pleasure to have you on. Hope to get you on a lot more in 2024 and hope you have an amazing
1: holiday season. Hopefully not because there's conflict.
0: Yeah, we can just talk general <laughs> yeah, trends.
2: <that's> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lo- love when it happens during Christmas, right? Yeah. yeah Always happy guests.
1: Right. Thanks, Henry. Zach, Wow, no shortage
0: of information there. Right. No shortage of activity going on in our market.
1: Yeah, I wish it wasn't yeah, I wish it wasn't Christmas when all this stuff was kind of blowing up like that is, but it is and of course uh, you know, we have a lot of data that's telling us the story. What to react to and what's to n- what not to react to. That's right. Everybody. Get in the sonar.
2: get into container atlas, drink more water. However.